Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And we are right in the middle of Lent 2020. Actually, we started on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, and we are getting ready to enter our first full week of Lent. And as a reminder, Lent is a season set apart for reflection, repentance, and renewal. And we do that by uh, trying to connect with Jesus in the last few days of his life, um, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and somehow fellowship in his sufferings. And uh, we do that by giving something up. We're trying to superimpose a suffering on ourselves. I'm not sure if it's really a suffering, but it's definitely a sacrifice to give something up. And last time I talked about my goal for sharing with 40 people in 40 days. <laughs> but um, I think I forgot to say what I was giving up. And I'm giving up my private, or not private, but my personal Netflix time. Um, I definitely heard God saying, you know, enough with the Netflix. <laughs> and I was like, I know you're right. It's gotten out of control. No more Netflix. But um, I couldn't figure out how to give it up because my family kind of watches stuff together. And I was like, well, how do I do this without punishing them? And I realized, no, it's just my personal Netflix time, which usually happens right before bed or after I've gotten everything else done. It's sort of my me time. Um, so it's definitely a sacrifice, but I'm really excited to see what God is going to do with this space that I've opened up for him. I've always wanted to do the nighttime space differently, but I just I just needed a push. So this has given me the push to be able to do that. So I'm excited to see what God is going to do with that. Um, and I wanted to just talk, start talking today about this, about a concept of repentance. And uh, I, I, I was struck by something I heard this week. I've been listening to the Bayma podcast, as many of you are. And uh, Marty was talking about Moses. He was reflecting on his life. He was talking about the time that Moses killed the Egyptian. Now, if you remember, Moses was a Hebrew, and he, but he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. And so as he grew older, he sees this Egyptian beating this Hebrew slave. And something in his heart hurts for this guy. And he goes and he kills the Egyptian. And Marty says this thing about how Moses had the heart of God, but he had the ways of Pharaoh. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is so me. I have the heart of God, but I have the ways of Tracy. <laughs> Try to get rid of those ways. But this is how we all are, right? This is how it is to be a disciple, is we have the heart of God, but we have all of these ways that you know we sort of gained growing up. We have our defense mechanisms and the way that we've trained ourselves to respond to things, and maybe the ways that we were, you know, our upbringing and um, you know, the ways that we've adopted from the society around us and all that. And we just have the way of Pharaoh, the ways of the stick, Marty calls it, because Pharaoh ruled with the scepter, with the iron scepter. But God is so different. He leads us with his voice. He's just, he's got a whole different way of living and leading and looking at life. And um, it takes a while, you know, it takes a while as a disciple to, you know, learn God's ways and get rid of those old ways, to transform our mind, to change our mind, um, which is exactly what repentance means, is to change your mind, and through your mind change, then your actions change. This is what it means in Romans 12 when it says to be, um, you know, to have your mind renewed by the renewing of your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, you know, Isaiah came hundreds of years before Jesus, and he says, you know, in repentance and rest, you'll find your salvation. 
And then John the Baptist comes on the scene and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Jesus comes and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Peter, you know, stands up on the very first day at Pentecost, you know, after Jesus went back up into heaven and preaches the very first sermon about Jesus Christ. And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repentance, it gives us, it is the way that we find that rest for our souls in God. When, when Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. You know, he's talking about soul rest. And as we transform our thinking and as we get rid of those old ways and become more like God, we are transformed and we have soul rest. And I want to talk about how we kind of get there. Um, you know, as I'm reading this or listening to these stories um, about the Israelites in the desert and all that, I'm so excited that I'm there in the story because, you know, we're entering into this time of Passover and Passover and Easter are, ex they are the same thing, really. Um, and I love just how uh, it all relates. We're going to talk about that a little bit more over time, but how they connect. And um, it, this reminded me of, you know, I'm reading through John at the same time. And it reminded me of Jesus' first miracle. And uh, in John 2, I wanted to read this. I'm reading from my NLT. But this is Jesus' very first miracle. And I just want to talk a little bit about what um, stuck out to me this time. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Okay, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with the water, with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, when everyone has got a lot to drink, has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you've kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Okay, just a few things that struck me about this story this time. I'm sure we've all heard this story many times, and um, probably heard many lessons on this. But as I was sitting there meditating and just contemplating this story, I think the first thing that stuck out to me was just the stone jars, the, the, the six jars that hold 20 to 30 gallons. And I was thinking about carrying around those, you know, like, you know, the, the gallon of milk or the gallon of water and thinking about, okay, 20 or 30 of those in one of these jars. So there's six of them. So now we're like 120 or 150 gallons. And just thinking about the work that it would take to put in all of that water. And, you know, there's two things with that. One is, why? Why, why is Jesus requiring that? I mean, I'm sure Jesus can just, like, poof the, the wine in there, couldn't he? You know, like, he can make the blind see and the lame walk and all that. And I don't think that he is restricted by magical, you know, restrictions of some sort. Um, so I'm thinking that he could have just poofed that wine in there. 
but he doesn't. He requires them to do all of this hard work. And I think the first thing that just struck me about this is that, you know, repentance is hard work. There is a lot of hard work that goes into changing your ways. Um, you know, you're, you're, it's mentally difficult just to do something different. Think about what it is just to learn. You know, when you um, are, when you teach children, you could see just, you know, work, learning is hard work. When you're trying to think about, you know, I, what I always think about trying to do, learn Spanish. And when I do it, I can do it for a little bit, you know, like, like really excited. And then all of a sudden my brain just kind of and just like it shuts down and it is just such hard work. It's hard work to learn something new. It's hard work to learn these ways that produce rest. And I think that sometimes we can think that we're doing it wrong if something's hard. If we're if if this is hard or we shouldn't be working or we shouldn't or maybe I'm trying to earn my salvation. You know, you you hear people talking about that all the time. Maybe I'm work maybe I'm works oriented. Maybe I'm trying to earn my salvation. Or maybe it's just hard work to repent, to be different. You know, I remember going through CR and writing out a journal and, you know, it's a lot of hard work, actually. It's a, it's a lot of hard work to, to figure out how to repent from something sometimes. And he required them to do that. You know, I just think about how this is Jesus working a miracle. This is a miracle. Jesus is actually working an, an actual miracle and it requires hard work on the part of the people. And I was thinking about how God, Jesus is always partnering with us. He is always requiring us to participate in some way, just like he did, as I've said, with the Israelites when they're coming out of Egypt. And he said, you got to put that, that blood over the door. And, uh, you know, the, the angel obviously knew who were Israelites or not, but he was requiring them to participate, just like we participate by getting baptized. We participate in our own salvation. He was requiring these guys to participate in, the, in, the, in their own miracle. This is a miracle that they're participating in, but it was a lot of hard work. Um, being a disciple, changing your ways, putting away the ways of Pharaoh, and learning the ways of God, does take some hard work sometimes. The other thing is that he just used their everyday average life to do it. You know, this is probably something these guys did all the time. They always filled those water jars. I'm thinking he probably had to keep them full of wine or water or whatever. I don't know. I, I'm just thinking that this is probably one of their regular old daily tasks. And I was thinking that's how God works also. He works miracles in our daily life. Not everything is going to be some sort of miraculous, top of the mountain, uh, supernatural experience. I do think that those things happen sometimes. There are things that happen that I can't explain. I really just can't explain them. Like I someone asked me the other day, how do you think that happened? I have no idea how that happened because God is miraculous. That's all I know. But I also know that he works through our mundane, average, daily activities, especially those of us who are raising children. <laughs> Can I just talk about this for a second? That day in, day out, pouring the water into the jar. That's really what you're doing, is you are pouring a little bit more water into their lives, the, the, the living water. You know, you're trying to breathe life into them. You're trying to ignite the fire within them. You're trying to, um, you know, just do a little bit every single day. And it is monotonous. It does feel like uh, I've got peanut butter and jelly coming out of my ears. <laughs> you know, I'm making lunches. I'm, I'm driving carpools. I'm, 
you know, um, washing dishes, I'm folding clothes, I'm doing all that. But all of that average everyday stuff produces miracles. That's how Jesus works. He always requires us to participate in our own miracle. And when you see your kids grow up and fall in love with God at some point, just hang on, just hang on, Mama. It is miraculous. So just keep working on that. Keep believing that God works through our average everyday lives and existences. Okay. The other thing that sticks out to me here is just that they had to follow Jesus's direction. You know, Mary comes in and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. I don't know what they were expecting, but they did exactly what he told them to do. And this is the way it works for us, is Jesus works the miracle and we follow his directions. When we follow his directions, we learn the ways of God and we put off the ways of Pharaoh. It's a continual process of learning how to trust and follow and, and really follow his directions so that we can learn and hear the way God wants us to be. That we can become new creations, really is what's, what's happening, is we're, we're um, being renewed by the transforming of our mind. We are, um, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4. Um, you know, Jesus is pointing us to God's ways. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we, we imitate everything we can about him. We follow his directions implicitly. And when we follow his directions, he works these miracles. And this he even is so cool because it's almost like a double, a double miracle. Like it's a miracle that he changed the water to wine. But then he turns the water into the best wine. It's the best wine of the night. It's better than all the wine they've had before. And that's the way God works, isn't it? He always makes it work out better than we could have made it work out ourselves. Even with all of our planning, all of our stuff, you know, we wake up, we think we know what's going to happen today. This is what i got to do. i got to make this happen. And we can make them things happen. But not the way God can. God always has a better idea. You know, I, um, I had these interesting experiences happened lately. Um, when Lent started, actually I had made the Lent video a little earlier. And then on Wednesday, I, I was sick. I finally got sick. Um, I've been wondering, when am I going to get sick? Everybody else is sick. My whole family's sick and I haven't gotten sick. Well, I totally got sick on Wednesday and I was just out. And you know, I was thinking, this is hilarious. So I make this big commitment. I'm going to share with all these people. I'm going to do it. And now I'm sick. I'm in bed. I can't do anything. But, you know, it's so funny. I just had to open my hands. You know, that's what this is. Open-handed living. Open my hands. God, what do you want from this time? And it actually did turn out better um, because I got, there was a lot of stuff that happened with our family, the things I got to do, the hanging out with my kids, and just the general feel of our house was, it was really enjoyable. Um, while I was sick and you know I just feel like God wanted that to be what I was doing during that time and then I had one of these weekends where you know those weekends when everything comes on the same weekend I don't know what the deal is that is because you know you have these some weekends there's nothing and then the, the, the next weekend there's everything um, and one of my daughters in the faith Alicia was having her bridal shower on Saturday, which I totally wanted to be all up in, you know, be a part of it. So it was, you know, a, big, a pretty big deal on Saturday. And then one of the teens got baptized on Friday, which was sort of a surprise because, you know, baptisms are almost always a surprise. You never know when the baby's going to come. So that's great, but that, that was on Friday. So then the 
thing was on Saturday. And then we had this, we um, have a once a month leaders lunch at our house on Sunday. And I always like to try to fix really yummy food and love up on them and everything. So it was just a lot to happen in this one space of time. And there was, it was really kind of funny. On Saturday, I really do feel like God was just using it to train me because I was, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, it's too much. I have too much to do. I don't, I can't do this. Can't. But I just really clearly heard God saying, you, you have as much as you need. You're going to have as much as you need. That, that particular morning, he woke me up very early. And I was like, wait a second, you're waking me up early <laughs> on, on the Sabbath. <laughs> I want to sleep in. And then I realized, you know, he's waking you up because you're not going to have any other time with him. Just get up and spend time with him. And it, was, it really was true. It was the only time I had alone with him that day. And I'm so glad it was so worth it um, because for the rest of the day, I would swear he gave me just enough time to do what he wanted me to do. You know, it. I'm always thinking I don't have enough time because it's all the stuff that I think that I have to do. But God always gives me just enough time to do the things that he wants me to do in the spirit that he wants me to do them in. That's the second part of that is, you know, I've, I've had to learn just to trust his timing with how slowly things can go or how he wants me to get things done, but also realizing that that produces in me a spirit of peace that I need in, in order to enjoy things as they're going by. And that kind of happened on Sunday. <laughs> on Sunday, there were all these fiascos. I, there's, it's too detailed to go into it, but it was crazy. Um, I, as many things that could go wrong went wrong with this particular meal I was making, and I usually make things that are very simple. You know, I wanna, I wanna be able to encourage people to keep it simple. Um, and I had a very simple plan, but that plan didn't turn out to be simple. So, uh, needless to say, I'd gotten up pretty early on Sunday, and then, you know, I, all these fiascos had happened. But you know, what was really interesting about that is because uh, we had these, you know, cooking emergencies is what we call them and um, disaster, one of them was a disaster. But you know what happened with that is that it forced my son, Jonathan, my oldest, to come in and help me. And it was such an incredibly special time for us to be together um, because I had to rely on him and he let me rely on him. And he was helping me and he was totally, oh, it, it was just incredible, he was so helpful. But we got to do it together. And it was just a bonding time for us and I feel like God was just using that time to um, teach me how to go through, uh, teach me how to go through it differently. You know, I think there was a time where I would have been freaking out, but I actually wasn't freaking out. Um, I was, you know, surprisingly peaceful. Um, now, I was very tired by the time I got to church. By the time I got to church, I could barely speak and I couldn't play the bright notes on my violin. <laughs> it was totally embarrassing. But. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really even care because I had not, you know, lost my cool. I hadn't freaked out. I was actually very calm, and I enjoyed it all. I had enjoyed this time with Jonathan. I enjoyed the time with the leaders, it, even though I was tired. It was really, you know, I just think God's ways are better. It's better wine when when Jesus makes the wine. It's better wine. And I just think that this is such a helpful thing to remember. You know, repentance can be hard work, yes. 
but it's miraculous. It, Jesus is creating this new, he's, he's creating something new in us. You know, we're, we're, we're becoming new creations. And so it's not a, it's not a taskmaster. It's not, it's not Satan. You know, when Satan is always over you, he's, he uses the whip. He uses the stick. But God uses his voice and it produces all this great fruit, all this great wine in your life. Jesus is making new wine. <laughs> That's really what it is. It's that song. Jesus is making new wine in you. Now, I don't know what um, is specifically going on in your life, but I do know we all need the reminder that this all this hard work of repentance is good work. You know, sometimes you can doubt and think, am I being, you know, is it such hard work? Am I being work starting? You know, there is going to be some hard work involved, but there's also going to be some good fruit involved. So let this encourage you to keep up that hard work of repentance and look for that new wine that Jesus is creating in you. Until next time.